It's good to be in the presence of God, studying the word of God because there is life in the word of God and there are struggles in this world and it is only the word of God which can strengthen us. Uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us together to study the word of God. You have revealed yourself through the word of God. Oh God, as we dig deeper into the word of God, speak to us, oh Lord. We will not only be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word, Master. Spirit of God, I pray that you will strengthen each one of us in our struggles, in our challenges, in our difficult moments. Let your word come to our rescue. Let your word come to our aid. Let your word strengthen us. Spirit of God, take complete control of the session. Bless us together and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We are uh, studying about knowing the heart and uh, we have already seen understanding the heart, reordering desires and understanding temptation. And right now what we are studying is understanding emotion. And under emotion, we saw that man is a complex being. Uh, the Bible presents man as the, looks at man as a whole person, uh, not in segments. Uh, there is an intellectual component, there's a physical component, psychological component, emotional component, and there is a spiritual component. Uh, that's how the Bible looks at a man. And uh, we saw about anxiety last uh, Wednesday. You know, we, uh, we need a kind word from others to overcome anxiety. We need people to affirm us. Uh, that strengthens us. We need people to share their, relate their own experience. We need people to draw us closer to God as we go through the moments of anxiety, or we just need people to be there just to listen to us. And we also saw that anxiety always precedes depression. No one comes to depression straight away. It is anxiety most of the time. And when people don't take care of anxiety, there is every possibility that they could become depressed. But the good news about anxiety is uh, we have already seen about depression, how complex it is and uh, how we have to deal with uh, depression. But the good news with anxiety is uh, we can overcome anxiety with all the spiritual resources that is there. Uh, that's the reason Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. In other words, we can overcome anxiety and that is the good news. And uh, we also saw about hope. And uh, last Wednesday, we studied about hope. I said, hope is not like justice. Hope is, you know, when you can, you can say justice has been done or justice has not been done. Uh, there is no, no other way. Either justice has been done or justice has not been uh, done. Uh, but hope is not like that. Uh, we said that if you know biblical hope is different. If you, if you want hope to be a virtue, uh, then it has to be rooted in God. Uh, let me give you an example. I said, you know, people can hope in several things. Bible itself says in First Timothy chapter six verse seventeen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. In other words, one can hope in wealth. Uh, people can hope in education, in wealth, in, in their status, in their caste, uh, in their designation. Uh, but that is not the hope that the Bible talks about, which is so uncertain. 
all these things are uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So we, we have to be very careful whether my hope is in worldly things or whether my hope is in God. We all need to have hope in this world because we have challenges and struggles, but if we are not careful, we might place our hope on wrong things. Uh, just because we are educated, just because we get a lot of money, uh, just because I have a designation, uh, that will all fail us when challenges come. We need to have hope in God. In other words, the biblical concept of hope is in trusting in God, having confidence in God, you know, making God our refuge. Uh, that's the problem with the worldly things. World, worldly things will always give us some kind of confidence, some kind of hope. You know, I have so much of wealth. I have so much of education. And, uh, but we, as children of God, we need to realize they're all uncertain. Uh, the Bible presents our God as God of hope. Romans 15.3 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason Job could say in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet though he kill me, yet will I hope in him. Now, once we become a Christian, the realization, one should have the realization is we are just strangers in this world or we are just sojourners in this world. We are just travelers in this world. Now, we, you know, the moment you're a traveler, you need to have hope. You will be able to reach some place. Uh, now, as a Christian, it is not even about a destination. It is just hope in God. We need to have that hope. We should always remember this is not my permanent world. We are on the way. Uh, we are not marked for this world. We should keep reminding ourselves so that uh, we know that our hope uh, has to be on God and God alone. <clears throat> so today, we'll start with loneliness. And I left you with a question, how can we avoid loneliness? How can we avoid loneliness? Uh, you can unmute yourself and answer, or otherwise you can use your chat. <coughs> How can we avoid loneliness? Bikes. Talking to people. Having friends. Be with God, be with people. Yeah, Asha said uh, having by talking to people, having friends. Pastor Prem, what did you say? So sometimes Use, using the time you are still lonely when you stay alone, uh, and if you do the right things, you don't feel lonely. I'm the example. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, Pastor Prem, what did you say? I didn't hear that. Um, I said, uh, you know, spending our time profitably can help us, uh, you know, to some extent. Spending our time profitably, yes. Profitably. Okay. To some extent, help us. To some extent. Okay. Others? Like Jesus uh, in the wilderness, he was all alone. He spoke to the Father and got himself refreshed. I think talking to God. But as Asha also mentioned, we need uh, one another. So talking to friends, uh, godly friends, will help us to overcome loneliness. Yes. Uh, Jesus talking to his heavenly Father uh, in the wilderness. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 14.10 says, each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Uh, Proverbs 
Now, when we read these uh, proverbs, uh, when we read a chapter, we sometimes we just uh, go to the next verse. But if we just dwell a little longer on this verse, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. In fact, this verse speaks about the extreme or the full range of emotions, bitterness on one hand and joy. So this proverb uh, covers the, uh, the full range of emotions that we human beings face. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. In other words, no one can fully share the joys and know the sorrows of another human being. Uh, this will be our lifelong struggle. Uh, we will always expect the other human beings uh, to understand us, uh, to understand our emotions, but it is not possible. No one can fully share whether it is, you know, whether you're talking about joys or whether you're talking about sorrow, uh, other human being cannot fully share. You can empathize, but to expect others to go through the same uh, range of emotions, uh, it is unfair and it is not even, the Bible says it is not possible because human beings are too complex. Each human being is unique and each person is complex. So since we are complex beings, it is extremely difficult for one complex being to understand the range of emotions of another complex being. Uh, as I said, when we talk about human being, you know, it is emotional, it is intellectual, it is religious, it is moral. So all these emotions are too complex. And sometimes they're too inward, uh, no one understands. And sometimes they are too individualistic. Uh, each one has their own thoughts. Uh, so it is extremely difficult to expect others to experience the same, the same intensity of emotions. It is extremely difficult. That's the reason Paul says, in 1 Corinthians 2.11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Who knows? No one knows. That's the reason Paul is asking the question. For who knows? The answer itself is there in the question. No one knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. In other words, only God ultimately knows the human heart. Sometimes we ourselves, we are unable to understand our own heart condition. And the good news is God alone knows the human heart. Uh, this proverb, in fact, gives dignity to human being. Uh, it is, it, it, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share his joy. The wise man, you know, in fact, he respects each individual as an individual. Uh, each individual is significant. Uh, it's a very respectful problem, respecting one's individuality, respecting one's identity respecting one's uniqueness. Uh, that's the beauty of this problem. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. Uh, so no, no one has experienced your life exactly as you have. And no one will, no one will be born hereafter to experience your life exactly as you have. It's, it is unique. That's the reason one should not compare one's life with others. Uh, whenever we start comparing our life with others, we will always feel their life is better than us. But 
each one's experience is unique and each one will say that my problem is the biggest problem. No one else has problem like mine. Uh, you know, every time you come out of the darkest valley, you feel that the, the previous one was better than the present one. Uh, so that is the way we react. Uh, so no one has experienced your life exactly as you have. If so, what does it imply? Now, this is the proverb we are studying. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. Full range of emotions, uh, but uh, others cannot know the way we experience. So what's the, what's the wisdom behind it? What do we learn out of this? What are the implications of this problem? Only God understands. Only God understands, yes. Only God understands. Apart from that. Talk to God and you can tell yes. God anything you want, knowing that he will fully understand. Um, uh, talk and, to and he yeah. will give. Yeah. 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 yeah continue, continue. You said, you said yes. talk to God and <laughs> he alone can fully understand. Yes. And he will he will respond to us. He might use other people to, uh, you know, say the exact thing that we need to hear or whatever, but he's the only one who will understand and uh, completely trust only God. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we will not share or talk to other people because we all know we have friends to uh, different degrees, uh, you know, of uh, intimacy with our friends. And some of them who know us really well can understand how we are wired and uh, we can expect them to be of solace and comfort to us but ultimately our dependence will be on God and he can use anything to console and comfort and uh, meet our need at the point of our need I think okay uh, somebody has said don't compare, don't criticize don't complain uh, okay now uh, it is interesting that the way we find God uh, you know mentioned in the New Testament you don't find it in the wisdom literature. So if we have to study this book, uh, we have to come out of uh, that mindset and then try to see, you know, this is a wisdom book that is meant for marketplace. And except we find the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, you, you, you don't see you know, the Lord God so often being cited in the book of Proverbs. It is a proverb. Uh, so if we want to get something out of this proverb, uh, we have to just, you know, all our knowledge, uh, yes, we have our uh, New Testament knowledge or our knowledge about Jesus Christ. Uh, but first we have to uh, see this proverb the way the uh, wise man has mentioned. And then we have to bring Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate wisdom. Uh, so if we, if we just see that, uh, how, how, you know, what was, you know, the wise man, what did he want to, what did he want to convey through this proverb? Every heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. How can we uh, just try to understand? Because that's the way... Yes, Pastor. What he was expressing his uh, loneliness. He, he was, was expressing ex his loneliness. Okay. You know, maybe in desperation that nobody understands this. Oh, his bitterness. Nobody understands his bitterness. Okay, we'll see that. We'll go. We'll go through that. Uh, this proverbs 
uh, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share his joy. This is wisdom literature. This is helping us uh, to lead our life in a very practical way. Uh, so what the, what the wise man is saying is, from the outside, uh, never be completely assured that you can absolutely predict or understand the behavior of another person. Don't ever come to the conclusion, I know what that person is thinking. I know what that person wants. Uh, so th that is where wisdom, wisdom is uh, human beings are complex and we should not come to those quick conclusions. I know what this person is thinking. You know, I know. I, I, when he said that itself, I knew this is what he had in mind. Uh, we, we come to such quick conclusions. Uh, I think uh, the wise man warns us uh, that be careful because each heart knows its own bitterness in the sense others cannot uh, know, know their, their thoughts. We may guess wrongly what a person is thinking, what things motivate them and why certain feelings are so strong. We, when you know, reading other person's mind is a complex thing and we should accept, we don't know what is passing through this person's mind. Uh, we should not be very certain about it. Uh, so if I cannot understand what the other person is thinking, I hope at least now all of us have come to this conclusion that I'm not sure what the other person is thinking. That's what the Proverbs is telling us. Uh, I'm not sure what the other person is thinking. If, if I have come to the conclusion that I cannot correctly uh, estimate or you know, uh, imagine what the other person is thinking, that implies that from the from inside means from my side, no one can read my mind. Uh, too often uh, it's with husband and wife, they have this conversation. Uh, you have lived with me for so many years, don't you know me? Uh, you're living with a human being, so a human being cannot know other human being. Uh, so these are the expectations. Uh, so that's the, the, that's what the wise man says. Uh, you know, he says that uh, each heart knows its own bitterness. Each heart knows its own bitterness and joy also, and no one else can share its joy. In other words, to expect even your spouse to read your mind rightly is unfair. Uh, no one can read your mind. We are complex beings. Uh, you know, it is, so if we don't want to be terribly lonely, then we have no other option but to open our heart and reveal ourselves. Uh, but if we don't want to reveal ourselves and we expect other persons, uh, other person to find out and uh, to know our thoughts, it is not only fair, unfair, but it is, it is impractical. Uh, it is not wise. It's not a wise thing. So if you want to avoid loneliness, you should be able to share your thoughts, your feelings. Uh, if, it, if you are very strict with not sharing our feelings, uh, we shouldn't expect others to understand it. Uh, finally, in the end, only the Lord can know all the thoughts of the heart. Uh, God knows them better than you do. The reason being, Jesus walked through death for me. 
because he walked through the darkest valley for me now because he has already gone through the darkest valley for me now when i go through the darkest valley he can hold my hand and guide me through the darkest valley and that is the reason we say in psalm 23:4 even though i walk through the darkest valley i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me uh though we all need human friendship uh we need to have human friendship but the one friendship that can never replace human friendship is our friendship with god uh we we should learn to walk with god talk with god and commune with god and this can never compensate you know all our relationship with with other human beings including our spouse children uh all our family members uh that you know that relationship and our friendship with god both are different they all have limitations uh all our relationship with human beings have limitations except our friendship with god so how do we avoid loneliness the only way we can avoid loneliness is by spending more and more time with god uh friends yeah good but they will not be there all the time uh so there are moments when we feel lonely so it is if we have that friendship with god uh we will be able to uh spend more time with god uh this is about loneliness the next emotion is look deeper uh this is an interesting proverb proverbs 14:30 even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief you know in other words he says you know laughter may be just a mask the mask that we wear uh, just to cover up our grief uh, that is the reason he says towards the end it will manifest itself in grief we may try to project ourselves as though we are very joyful but we cannot wear that mask all the time because after some time it will end in grief in other words the heart has to be right if you really have to be joyful so just that outward merriment there are there are people who will be very jovial and all that but heart of heart they have lot of issues in their hearts uh you know there are people uh, we have heard of people who were so fine so jolly and all that and then you hear the story they uh, they committed suicide because they couldn't share their hearts and there was something in their heart the grief was there and uh, ultimately the grief will manifest uh <clears throat> so our life there is a tragedy and a sadness to life uh if we don't understand the nature of human life or the brokenness of human life we might think just having a tragedy means oh god has cursed us there is something wrong with us no that's god god is a good god he will never curse his children uh if we don't curse our children god will never curse his children he's too too good his goodness endures forever so we because we live in this we are living as a sojourners travelers tragedy is also a part of life if we don't accept it when tragedy strikes us uh then we will become lonely we will become anxious we will become depressed we have to face tragedy head on uh we cannot keep sitting and saying that why me why me why me 
we need to believe in the goodness of god the sovereignty of god and uh, god has only good things for his children like i mentioned last wednesday um whatever good things god has kept for us uh, no force on earth can take it away from us and uh, god has kept good things for us good good uh, even the bad things god can turn it into our good and the best things are yet to come that is why we have hope we have hope in god because the best things are yet to come so when we are hit by a tragedy it is not the tragedy that defines our life it is god who defines our life it is god who is in charge of our lives it's god who is in control of our lives if god is good he is there even in the midst of the tragedy even when i walk through the um, darkest valley he is there he is there and so we don't have to think that our life will be always a life of celebration there are moments of celebration there are moments of rejoicing but there is also moments of sadness it's all part of our life uh we should also realize some wounds never heal uh you know we we have to be very careful when we are dealing with human beings with others uh some 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 children of god they they undergo deep deep tragedies in their lives uh for no mistake of theirs or because of others mistake uh we should not judge them we should not tell them that if you would have done this that would have happened no uh this life is difficult life and some wounds never heal that's part of uh that's part of our of our journey uh since we are sojourners that's part of our journey and we have to be careful and we should never feel i know god so my life will be perfect no it is it, it, it's nowhere in the bible it's mentioned that you know god you will have no problems jesus only said now come to me all you who are weary and tired and uh, you know jesus never said if you are fine joyful come to me we are all children of god we all have our equal share of tragedy good things bad things ugly things happen but uh, sometimes some of some of uh, god children they go through very very difficult times uh, the bible clearly acknowledges that there's nothing wrong with them but they should never lose hope that's why hope is very important that their friendship with god should be so intimate so strong that they'll be able to go through this if god is taking us through a difficult situation he has already given us enough resources to go through that difficult thing uh, remember the festival joy that jesus brings is always partial in this life it is never full that's why we say the kingdom of god has come but not yet come uh the healing that god gives is also partial it will never be complete because at the end of our life there is a death one has to face death and death is painful uh jesus himself did a lot of weeping uh you know when when he was standing in front of uh, lazarus tomb he wept the bible says jesus wept he wept he sincerely wept because of death the pain it brings to human beings it is not because he was weeping others were you know people didn't have faith that jesus can uh, raise him up no 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 that's that's not the way the bible says jesus wept 
seeing the pain when somebody close to us they die uh, there is sadness so there is a weep there, there is weeping and jesus joined with them to weep and so in the, that is his perfect loving heart so when we are sad it affects god's heart and he is also part of that sadness he is not standing away from us and says oh you are going through the sadness you deserve this no that's not our god he walks with uh, with us in our sadness he shares in our sadness because he understands our emotions rightly other human beings cannot understand but jesus understands our emotions rightly and so when we cry he cries with us when we go through that moment of sadness he also go goes through this moment of sadness uh <clears throat> so one of the way is uh, that's why we need a community uh, we need to have close peer friends uh, we need to have some mentors in our lives who can mentor us of course we need to be careful in choosing all the all these people but uh, it is all good because otherwise we'll always be saying how are you i am fine i am okay uh, but we may not be okay so we need to have a place where we can share that life is not okay uh, so sorrow is part of our living uh, it may be occasional for some people it may be long term uh, this is this is this is real wisdom literature is real for real people for real human beings uh, so as human beings we will face a lot of problems you know the baby also uh, when the child is born the child cries and uh, expressing some kind of discomfort dissatisfaction and ultimately the life ends in death again there is sadness you know that's human journey that's why we are on a journey at birth we cry and when we die again there is grief that that's you know uh, it may sound very sad to hear all this but that's the reality uh, the more we understand our reality we'll be able to face this life well we'll be able to live uh, confidently uh, it is only when we try you know just because i don't want to accept this reality doesn't mean that the reality will change it's not going to change a child is born a child will die one day uh, so this is part of our human life jesus himself wept because of death uh, that is why when jesus rose again that was the last enemy that had to be conquered and jesus conquered death and that's why we have hope we have hope beyond death and that's why our faith is so precious to us uh since humans die joy inevitably ends in grief whatever joy we have ultimately it ends in grief it may be momentary it may be long time in other words the party will always end we may go for a party we will jump and sing and all that uh, but real wisdom is all these things are fleeting or just passing by and it will end in grief uh, but the good news is trouble makes us depend more on god that's our hope i said the biblical hope is trusting in god making god our refuge and when god is our refuge we can even face death boldly so trouble makes us depend more on god uh, so god can make our griefs to sing death is a matter of grief and god can make even death to sing because there is resurrection 
So God can make our griefs to sink. That is our God. So holding on to this God, making him as our best friend, you know, knowing him more and more, uh, we'll be able to face this life. So for the righteous people, there is always joy in the midst of all that is, all that I said, uh, you know, there is a darkest valley, there is grief in the midst of all that, there is joy for the righteous, and there is also a future hope. So for the wicked people, they don't have this. We might think they have everything, but they don't have this hope. <clears throat> so the next thing the righteous people have is joy. So this is how they define joy. Uh, Jesus first, others second, and you third. That's how they define joy. If we have joy, if we keep Jesus first, others second, and ourselves in the third, uh, we'll have joy in this world. Proverbs 15.30 says, light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. If you have just compared with the previous Proverbs, that is 14.13, when we said, even in laughter, the heart may ache, uh, you know, the, there's so much of wisdom, the way he has presented. He says, you know, somebody can just smile, laugh, but you will not be able to understand, you know, the pain that they have in their heart. And now he says, you need to look a little beyond that. Beyond that laughter, you have to look at their eyes. So a light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives hell to the bones. Uh, basically, he's talking about <clears throat> if the eyes are bright, uh, that means the heart is okay. Just because somebody is smiling, laughing, uh, that may not exactly represent the condition of the heart. That's what we saw in Proverbs 14, 13. But if you really see a light, you know, don't we hear, we say that his eyes are shining, its eyes are gleaming, brightening, bright eyes. So if, you know, one cannot put up this bright, it's not that light is coming out of the eyes. So he says, if you are very observant and when you look at people, you can, you can make out to some extent whether they are really joyful in their heart by looking for light in their eyes. Uh, just because, <clears throat> uh, you know, somebody just speaks positive. There are some people, you know, who think that all the time their words have to be positive, uh, but heart of heart, they may not be joyful. But if the person has some light in the eyes, uh, then we can make out the person is really joyful. Otherwise, he can just pretend as though he is joyful. Uh, so anyone whose eyes is bright, you can say um, there is some joy in his heart. Uh, so if we also want joy in our hearts, we need people with light in their eyes. Uh, it is only those people. It's not just positive words alone can give us light. They themselves should have some light in their eyes. So from where do we get this light? Uh, Paul says to Christians, they have a joy not based on circumstances at all. If your circumstance has to define your joy, then we, we, will, we are very miserable people because our circumstances will always keep changing. We just don't know, the, you know what's going to happen tomorrow. We just don't know. Uh, so, but our joy is not based on circumstances. Uh, it is based on God. That's the reason Paul says, uh, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's why we need to meditate on God Remember God, walk with God, talk with God, and God alone can give us this joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, you can note down Philippians 4, 11 to 13. It is not about the circumstances. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So it is not the circumstances. It is not a country or a society or a, a nation that defines our joyfulness. It is God. God alone can do it. Uh, so the ultimate joy is only in the gospel message. The gospel of Jesus. It is only that news that brings joy. So if we believe in Jesus, then we have truly seen a great light. In Matthew 4.16, we read, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So our salvation experience has to be something similar like this. It is not that physically we see a light. If you see, it's fine. Uh, Sadhu Sundar Singh had that experience, but uh, it doesn't, it's not a uh, normal experience. Uh, we have to internalize this gospel, what Jesus has done for us. How he has brought us from the dominion of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. And we have to internalize. And that's the only way our eyes will be able to reflect that light to others. So all that we can do is we can keep praying, uh, Lord, give me the joy. I need to live the day. Give me the joy, O oh Lord, the joy that comes from you alone. Uh, if we don't spend enough time with God, thanking him, praising him for all the blessings we have received. Um, the joy is something difficult. We will not find joy. We need to be grateful to God for little, little things. Uh, not as religious people, just out of heart, we should start thanking God. Um, so that way we are, we are in communion with God we are in friendship with God, and we will also get to hear from God. So we should do things that can bring joy to our life. Uh, when I was talking about hope, I said, if you remember, the hope always flourishes uh, when you have magnanimity and humility. And I mentioned magnanimity is perfect goodness. When we help somebody, when we take care of somebody who cannot return back, who cannot give it back to us. So if we find joy in doing such things, uh, that's the way we find more and more joy. I think joy is something which is all, you know, as Christians, we are all familiar with joy. Now we are going to an interesting topic. The next emotion is guilt. Is there a difference between guilt and shame? Is there a difference between guilt and shame? Shame is when what we did is known to the public and guilt is what we feel, even if nobody knows it or it is proved. Yeah, it's right. Uh, but um, guilt and shame are two different emotions. Uh, they both are negative emotions. They're not positive emotions. Both guilt and shame are negative emotions. Sometimes people confuse these emotions. That's the reason uh, I have uh, put this question because we are going to study about guilt. Uh, you know, guilt is something that you can experience alone. Uh, it is, it's a feeling that you have done something wrong or even you have thought something wrong and that can produce guilt. Uh, you know, when you, you feel that you've crossed your moral boundary, then you have that guilt. Uh, but when it comes to shame, uh, shame always requires other people. Uh, the other people could be real as well as, you know, we imagine what will happen if these people come to know. So it is, it, that brings shame. Uh, so it, it's not that it's only when 
we are confronted, exposed, that we feel shame, that just that we have that imaginary feeling, if these people come to know, then we can also have shame. But both are different emotions, guilt and shame. Now, someone who misappropriates money uh, may feel no guilt for the act. He may not feel at all. Day after day, he must be misappropriating. We read in the newspapers how people have misappropriated uh, crores of rupees and they've been doing it for years. But when they, they feel intense shame, when they're caught, you know, and some people, even when they're caught, they don't have shame. Uh, that's a different story. Uh, so when others, because it's not, he doesn't even feel sorry that he misappropriated it, but he feels sad because now all, all others uh, now they know him as a criminal, as a thief. And that brings a sense of shame. Uh, you know, there are people who have illicit relationship, they just don't care. But the moment the, you know, others come to know about it and it is exposed, uh, they feel shame. Then you know, it's very difficult for them to repent because uh, they don't feel guilty. They only want to cover up because now it has been exposed. Now, how do I cover up? So guilt and shame are two different emotions and People experience it from time to time. Uh, so the balance between two can vary depending upon people, their moral values, uh, their upbringing, uh, you know, it can, it can vary. Now, if you talk about guilt, uh, yes, a, child, a student in the class can feel guilty because uh, somebody else said the answer and she wrote that. She didn't even copy, but because other two friends were talking and she heard the answer and because she, uh, he or she didn't know that answer because these two friends were talking and she overheard that answer and she wrote that, she can feel guilty. Now there are students in this class who can just copy from the textbook and they may not feel guilty. So it depends upon, uh, upon our moral sensitivity. Uh, so the Proverbs 28 one says, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked people are always on the run. Though nobody is chasing them, what is chasing them? You know, the wicked flee though no one pursues, nobody's pursuing them, but why are they running? But the righteous are as bold as a lion. <clears throat> uh, why the wicked are running is basically is due to the fact uh, that they have a guilty conscience uh, because you know somebody murders and it's not that anyone has come to know, but he just, runs from that place. It is the guilty conscience. So it is the guilty conscience which makes people to run. That's the reason the Bible, the proverb says, the wicked flee though no one pursues. Uh, the problem is if we try to hide or if we try to lie uh, once, we will be doing it again and again. That's a problem with sin. Uh, we will be justifying ourselves, but in the end, uh, we will be running. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just talk about what's happening in the modern world. Uh, in the modern world, uh, especially in the corporate culture or or a typically a Western culture, it is there, it's there in our city, it has come to our city. Uh, it is no longer, it is only confined to the Western culture. 
Uh, even in our modern relativistic culture, we see the strange persistence of guilt. Now, what is meant by modern, for some of you, it may be a new term, uh, relativistic culture, it is relativism. Uh, what is relativism is, uh, you don't do things because it is right or wrong. You do things because it is convenient for you. If you think it is right, you do it. Uh, that is modern relativistic culture. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche who said that uh, God is dead. He never said God is not there. He said God is dead. In other words, he said, if you remove God from our life, our life will be free and we'll have less problem. It is because you Christians, you have a Bible, you have all these moral values. You say, don't do this, you don't do this. And that's why we always have the struggle. Uh, I'm sure children will be asking their parents. I see our friends, they don't have all these restrictions. They can do whatever they feel like, whatever they want to do. That is relativism. Now, even in a culture like that, there is still persistence of guilt. There is a sense of guilt. It's so interesting if you, if you just pay little attention. Uh, even in this city, uh, people say, it doesn't matter uh, whether I can have sex before marriage. It doesn't matter because we have, we have become, uh, you know, it's fine. Everybody's doing it. I can also do it. Uh, you know, you can go around the city and you can see that, um, I think they have mentioned something like the other day somewhere we saw that uh, co-living PGs in Bangalore, it's written as co-living PGs. Uh, these are the things in an Indian society, openly there is a board in the city which says co-living PGs. Now, uh, people are living like that because they feel it's fine. There's nothing wrong. But as a, that's what is known as relativism. But in the midst of all that, though they say it's fine and all, they still, there is a sense of guilt in them. How it, uh, how it will manifest, how it's going to affect, uh, we have to be very clear about it. You know, the moment we take the concept of God out of our, out of our reference, uh, if we say there is no Satan, if we say there's no evil, if we say there is no sin, then it becomes very difficult for us to explain or to give reasons for somebody's uh, pain, cruelty that happens to others, we will not be able to explain. It is only within the moral framework of God, we'll be able to explain pain, cruelty, evil, uh, all these things. If, we, if the moment we take away that moral framework, uh, then evil will only multiply, magnify. Evil is like cancer. You know, it's very difficult to find cancer. Same way evil is like that. Yeah, you know, it'll just, it just hides and it'll be beyond our imagination. If we want to really find evil, then we have to bring God into our picture. It is not about what I think is right or wrong. It is what does God say about this? So even in a culture where they don't care for God, all that they care is what I think is right or wrong. Even in a culture like that, they say there is a strange persistence of guilt. Now, just I think I'll just mention two more points before I close. I will not be able to complete it. Now, you know, people generally think that you know, once we, we are technologically, we are advanced, uh, then we don't have to worry about all these religious things, all this good, bad, and all. Uh, we don't have to worry. Uh, 
but all our technological advancement cannot instruct us how to live. We may have all the electronic latest gadgets in our house, but none of them will be able to instruct us how to live a productive life. So science, with all its advancement, it can make our life comfortable, but it can never instruct us how to live. What is the reason? Is there a purpose in our life? Uh, is there something good in us? Is there some good I can do for others? Science cannot instruct. Uh, at the same time, uh, the, the, the science, guilty, science can do nothing to help us. Uh, when we are not happy, Science cannot make us joyful. Science cannot say rejoice in the mobile. Science cannot say that. Rejoice in this program. It is only God can say that rejoice in the Lord. So science with all its advancement cannot. So the moment we, we say that, you know, I don't care what you believe. What if I think this is right, this is right. No, that's not a way human beings are supposed to function or live in this world. Uh, we need to be accountable. And the moment we remove God, what happens is evil only multiplies. You go to any advanced society, the so-called people say that GDP is high, um, no corruption and all that. You can see the amount of evil perversity that is prevalent in those cultures. It is only when we bring God into our picture, there is some semblance of normalcy. There is some semblance of humaneness. Uh, though they might be fighting for the cause, like you know, climate, uh, environment, and all those, but without God, there is no balance. Those are all, personally, their lives may be you know, in doldrums. Outwardly, they may be all espousing the cause of culture, you know, climate and all that. But deep down, uh, you find that there's emptiness in their lives. Uh, so it is only in Christ we have this privilege of our guilt being forgiven. And even in Christianity, sometimes they, you know, we, if, we, if we don't accept that Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, uh, it is a bloody transaction between my sin and my righteousness. And if we try to minimize that, we will not be able to deal with guilt. Guilt is a very strong feeling because guilt is there even amongst people who don't believe in God. So guilt is something, it is always there present in human beings. Uh, so we have to understand what happened on the cross. Seriously, we must understand it. Uh, any doubts? Any questions, any thoughts? So you'll be dealing also with false gift, guilt, Pastor? False guilt. Uh, we'll be only dealing with you know, how we can deal with our guilt. Okay. We'll, we'll be dealing. Uh, anytime we make the cross, uh, if we don't understand it rightly, uh, the, what happened on the cross, we are not uh, dealing with guilt properly. Uh, that's where the hyper grace and all comes. And uh, it's important for us to understand the bloody transaction that has taken place on the cross. Uh, that is important. We cannot undermine that. We will continue with guilt. Uh, any, any, anything else? Have I 
confused or, uh, you know, for some of you, it may be new when I said relativism, but um, that's what we see in a city like Bangalore. Uh, relativism is there in America. And what is there, it'll come here. Uh, uh, like I said, living, co-living PGs, it is nothing but, it's a sign of relativism. It's relatable, Pastor. In fact, there's a co-live right next to my house. So I kind of see it every day. Yeah. It is very much there, Pastor, here in yeah. Pastor. yeah, Yeah. So will these people have guilt or not? Uh, that's what we are struggling to find out. Because the moment we say everything is right, then that becomes relativism. Okay, from uh, somebody has hacked into our Zoom account. So as a matter of precaution, uh, we have tried to change the password. Uh, there was an intrusion that we noticed and uh, we had to be careful. So I want all of you to just note down this password from next Wednesday. The Zoom ID will be the same but from next Wednesday, the password will be Vista. Uh, if you do Proverbs, you will not be able to uh, join the meeting. Uh, you have to mention wisdom. As I said, somebody has hacked in, so we are just taking some security precautions. And if you know somebody who, who, is, not at, who is not attending the Bible study today, if you know of them, uh, please pass this information to them also. For the next, uh, from next, uh, from coming Wednesday onwards, uh, we'll be having the password wisdom, same Zoom ID. Uh, Pastor Prem, can you please say the closing prayer? Thank you, Pastor. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for helping us to learn so much, so much from your word. Father, we thank you that your word has got an answer for all of us. Father, for our loneliness, so we thank you that we can open up and share with you what we go through. We can share with the Lord uh, people whom we trust what we're going through. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, there is a way that we could handle loneliness. And we thank you also for your presence that is so closer to our presence of God than anything else in this world. Father, we also thank you. Lord, for helping us to look uh, deeper into our lives. Uh, Father, to know who we are. Father, Lord, Master, and uh, Lord, to focus our attention not just on merriment of God, but the internal joy that is available in you, Father. Lord, we thank you, Savior, Lord, Master, that we will concentrate, uh, Lord, no matter, Lord, what the situation, the, jo the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Lord, to think that our sins are forgiven, that uh, we are special people, Lord, uh, that will give us strength to God when we go through challenges and difficulties in life. Father, we thank you that, Lord, our guilt, our shame is taken away because you took, Lord, the shame on yourself, for God, on yourself. And we want to thank you that uh, we can handle, Lord, Master, guilt and shame in our lives. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for pastor. We thank you for the anointing, your wisdom. And uh, we pray that you continue to help all of us to learn from your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor.